You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Christopher Media. Let's make some noise. know about you as a stand-up comedian oh god okay she stood there her hair blowing in the breeze and you know she was too proud to pick it up that was that sort of stuff i did then and which is why i gave it up fairly after about 18 months of dismal failure um i wasn't funny but my timing was good <laughs> because i oddly enough I, I i do comedy as an actor of comedic characters i can do that um, drunken tramps and <laughs> priests with lusting for nuns and stuff like that. I do all that. Um, I have done all that, I should say. Stand-up comedian, it was, it's a killer business. It is an absolute killer. How some of them do it. I mean, and I adored Carlin. I mean, really, to me, one of the greats. Actually, yeah, really, one of the greats. Today's lot, I find, not quite so funny. I really don't find them quite as funny as I did Jack Benny, for example, or uh, I know he wasn't actually did not stand up as such um, because um, they weren't using that genre then, were they? I've got to stop talking. Okay, you better stop. <laughs> you don't have to stop me. <laughs> uh, uh, it's funny because I was just talking about Jack Benny yesterday, trying to explain who Jack Benny is to oh, God. one of my younger co-workers, yeah. And my favorite one about that was, oh, Steve McQueen, Morgan. Steve McQueen. I had people in the class, my class, my acting class, who did not know who Steve McQueen was. Now, I'm, I'm original in one respect. I make my students study Bad Day of Black Rock, the professionals. I make them go back because I agree totally with Tarantino, where I didn't quite get the job in Reservoir Dogs. I read for it a couple of times. Um, anybody always wanted Lawrence Tierney, Tierney which I understood. Um, but I make them study the 70s. I make them, and Tarantino said, the reason why today's leading men aren't actually, aren't as strong, and this is probably true with many of them, they're not as strong, is because they weren't in the military. That was the Tarantino um, comment on it. And I, I thought about it, and of course, then you realize Hackman, who's my favorite. Uh, filmmaker, uh, Hackman, um, Marine, uh, McQueen, Marine, Marvin. I actually did one day on a Steve Marvin picture, which was the second last one he did before he died, um, with the Dirty Dozen Next Mission, <laughs> which is the, one of the biggest loads of crap I've ever been in. I mean, it really, it, it really was a stinker. But I did it because Mandy McLagan, I'd done my first Western for Andy, Mc, um, Andy McLaglan. And uh, he did uh, a little gunsmoke. Said, would you like um, 
would you like to come and do one day in Peterborough in North Hans? And I went, yeah, doing what? He said, uh, McQueen picture. I've done 72 setups a day. 72. I said, what am I playing? He said, German general. Okay. So I got there and <laughs> looked at the costume and it was Waffen SS. Black. I looked at that and of course it's mm, yummy and knowing how that um, apparently Hitler actually personally shot the SA guy did the room. He personally shot room who was in bed with his lieutenant at the time. Um, apparently Hitler actually probably did shoot him personally. Um, if one forgets he was a soldier who got the Iron Cross. Um, anyway, so I'm looking at this and I put it on and I went outside and, uh, and he introduced me to a couple of the only actors I, I knew most of them. Because uh, I've been working in England for 30 years and uh, uh, McQueen was over in the corner. <laughs> I looked and they all, they, each one had got his own pose. One had got his hands behind his back, another one had his hands in front, another one had them at the side, and there were four of them. And I'm looking around, and so I did. I'm a very, a very gay. My elbow down, my hand up by my face, rather like Jack Benny, oddly enough, rather like that. You know, um, I'm thinking about it. That famous quote, you know, your money or your life. Your money or your life. Your money or your life. I'm, I'm thinking about it. You know, whatever. That pose that Benny had. Well, I'm doing that. And lovely, lovely old Marvin. He looked across at me and he started to laugh. I did, did the scene. I only had about four or five lines. And um, we only had four or five lines. I only had a couple. Um, and um, I walked over to him. I said, excuse me, but I've, I've, you were laughing. He said, well, hello, faggot, I'm laughing. You know, I'm thinking, of, oh, I was born on the wandering star. <laughs> and I'm looking at this, and he was very, very, he was sick. He wasn't well at all. I said, can you give me a note for my acting class? He went, oh. Yeah, what you, oh. Don't explain. I said, thank you. And I walked away. And he called for me. He sent me back. He called me back. He sat me down and we chatted just very briefly, very briefly, because he couldn't, he really couldn't breathe very well. And he had empathy, very bad empathy. And uh, I like that, you know, I like that about him. It's like um, the prestige with the Mike, Michael Caine. I screwed up the first take because <laughs> I was nervous. I was actually, I was actually nervous. And I've been on stage on Broadway without a rehearsal. Yeah, I did. Marat Saad. The, the play was running in Broadway. And I, I was on stage anyway, and they played my own character, sitting behind Pat McGee, who was playing the Saad. And Pat had a, a heart attack. And uh, said, Peter Brook, who was my my mentor in many ways, the, the, the theater man who influenced me more than anybody, um, a couple of film guys have, but um, for theatre, it's, it's always been Brooke, Peter Brooke. You know, Mahabharata and all that stuff, as well as stuff he did, so a nice dream, all that stuff he did. And uh, Mara Thad. And uh, I was in Mara from day one right to the end till we filmed the last take, uh, which is about two years later. Yep, and on I went. You know, he, he said, who's the understudy? I went, moi. And he went, do you know it? And I said, yeah, yeah. Okay, had a rehearsal? Nope. Do you know the moves? I said, yeah, well, I've been, I sit behind my character. Mad Animal sits behind uh, 
um, a desired. So I know pretty much what he does. And if not, Glenda will kick me in the ass and move me. Um, no, which was, was actually true. She did save my ass at one stage. But I got Act 1 mixed up with Act 2. And, just, and I was starting to go off on the wrong speech and stopped. And Glenda just started beating me with her hair. It was that, it was that sort of show. I mean, everybody... Oh, shut up, Morgan. Anyway, what do you want to know? <laughs> now, was that one of your first film roles, was Marat Saad? No, oh, no, no. My first film role was Strong Room in 1960-something. Strong Room. That was a very, very good little B-picture in England. A really good one. Um, oddly enough, about a bank robbery where they lock the manager in the safe and they screw up the keys and they know he's going to die in his airtight. So they have to break in again, get him out of there, and of course get caught. I mean, that's how they get caught. One of those good little... Occasionally the Brits came out with... Most of the, the time at that stage, it, it, they weren't good. The films weren't that good. Um, we weren't originating really original stars. We had a lot of lead actors coming from theatre and not filmic, not filmic in that sense. And of course, there was no television. I mean, I'm a RADA boy. I started out and um, I got a scholarship to RADA when I, I was 20, 25. Yeah, I heard you got that on a bet, that you went out for that on a bet. Is that true? Yeah, I was I was in amateur dramatics. After the, the failure, the dismal failure of the stand-up comedy, you know, with um, you know me being very influenced by Dick Sean, and from the producers, and Dick Sean walked out on the stage at London and just looked at the audience, and there was a complete silence, and he just said, I'm one of America's better unknown comedians. And so there was a desultory sort of clap. And he said, well, thanks for the clap. I've had everything else. And away we went. <laughs> Dick Sean. And uh, I realized that I could not be as funny as that or as original. It was the originality that was killing me. And um, I wasn't. And there's a lack of confidence, of course, which is the one thing you've got to have. I mean, you've got to have steel, you know. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise they'll kill you. I, you know, I got, I got through it. I, used to, I always got through it. But uh, except for once, where the, the audience shouted at me, Big Head, they called me Big Head. Because I moved the mic away and said, I don't need that. And of course, it was still on, so they heard me saying, I don't need that. So that was, you know, unnecessary. And I gave it up, and then I had, uh, had some eye trouble. And I came out of surgery, minus bits and pieces, went to the amateur theatre where I had just started going to. And I'd, I'd done the first, my first amateur play there. And I was dreadful playing um, a juvenile role. And that was the last time I ever played a juvenile in my 57 years in this business. <laughs> I have not played a juvenile under my... I've done a Walter Brennan's. Not as well, but I've done a Walter Brennan. I've always been 30. I've always been 50. Being 30 and playing 70 on television without makeup. That's how I, you know, I got really sort of got a little established. I got established um, doing that, you know. Um, but there was the bet, and they said, uh, oh, we're casting a new play tonight. And I'm standing here. And Michael Farmer, his name was, I always remember. And I'm talking of 1950, 55. And he said, Morgan's outside, and he's not in very good shape. 
and they went, oh, he's a lousy actor. <laughs> and and uh, anyway, cut to, I walked in, She's, the woman who ran it had launched six professional actors, six, and all of them fairly good, and uh, all could make a living. And um, of course, I went Donald Trump then. And, uh, anyway, he looked at me and I said, Michael had been offered this role. He said, I can't do it. And I said, what is it? He said, a 70-year-old Southern senator. Well, you can imagine this being done by uh, English um, you know, community theater. I'm going to do an American accent. Hello, baby. You know, or whatever, you know. And um, anyway, I did it. I needed something to do because I was going bananas. I really was. And anyway, so I went out on stage about six weeks later as a 70-year-old Southern senator. Did the first scene, came off, went back, did the second scene, and now got getting really nasty. He's a vicious old racist. And suddenly the audience started booing. And I left, I stayed on, and then left when I was supposed to run into the wings. And I looked at her, and Pat Burke, her name was, who'd launched the six professionals. And she'd been Gilgood's stage manager. So she knew a fair bit about theater. She looked at me, and I went, I mean, she said, no, they're not booing you. They're booing the role. I said, you're kidding. She said, no, I'm not doing it. And I've gone out there. I still played through thinking that until right at the end of the show, the other people on stage pushed me forward. And that was the start of one year of magic, learning with her, this woman. And then suddenly one day she said, I'll bet you five pounds you can't get into Rada. And I went, oh, come on, I'm not sure I want to be an actor and a professional. She said, yeah, I think you could do it. Try so luckily I went there, and um, the guy running it, John Fernald, ex-naval commander, had a good war. Lovely guy, really great guy. He was the guy who brought the working class into, into RADA, working class into the theater to a large extent. He was one of these foresighted people who realized that they were forgetting a lot of talent, that plays had got completely well-made and boring because they were all about, they were all drawing room comedies in the West End at the time. And then came along, when you, when you, want, when you got to look back in anger, they didn't have enough actors to play those sort of roles, really. And so um, he thought, oh, well, I'll train them. I'll have, I'll have a few of them in RADA. And, um, of course, there was O'Toole, and, of course, there was, you know, uh, Sharon Phillips, and there was uh, Charlie Kay, some really, really good, um, stylish, quality actors. And um, they were playing the lead roles, but then the backup guys were were, were people like um, a really tough bunch, like Mike Elphick and uh, the, the sort of the Brian Coxes of their day. Put it that way. These were the guys who are now getting getting places at uh, drama schools uh, because they were talented. I mean, they, they and they had they had street. I got it. I got in. Uh, I did my audition, and as I walked off the stage, um, which I, I thought, oh, that, was, that felt all right. Uh, it was okay. And there he was waiting for me. He'd left his seat in the stalls and can't come up to the side of the stage to catch me. And I went, oh, hello, sir. And he went, how old are you? I said, 25. Okay. All right. Okay, Shepard. Shepard? Yes, Shepard. Are we going to offer you a scholarship? He didn't have enough types like my type, really, is what it was. Bless him. And it wasn't, it wasn't particularly... Well, I'm trying to be, I'm, I'm trying to be modest. Um, I'm too modest sometimes. Anyway, uh, he um, he said, when do you want to start? 
Oh, I'm not sure I want to do it. And he went, oh, God. Good God. I'm offering you a scholarship to RADA. I said, how much does it pay? <laughs> Which I would never do now. I mean, I'm, honest to God, I'm not. I'm not that sort of actor. I'm not, I'm not what we call a fridge actor. You know, you look at the paycheck and say, well, that'll buy the fridge. That'll buy the, you know, the chaise long. That'll... No, I'm not one of those. I never have been. Um, he, 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 it wasn't there, I mean, for me. He, he didn't have to knock it out of me. I just, he set me an example. I've always had these good people. And I learned from so many of them. When you look at the people I've worked with, I mean, God, you know, that I've had arguments with, you know, at O'Toole, Speaks, um, Spielberg, yeah, Spielberg, said to me, he, 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 his show was uh, Sequest, and I played the Annapolis professor in Sequest. I wanted to do the show because uh, I had a, a series regular part in it. And because I was working with Roy Scheider, whom I admired enormously, and um, told him so, and he got embarrassed, and he said, well, this is going to buy the house in Santa Barbara, which really educated me as to what American Hollywood dreams were really about. You know, and I thought, well, I'm not like that, so that's all right. But good for him, whatever. Because um, I know how tough it is for leading men in the town, you know, now. I mean, I know the difference. Come on. I'm 83. You know. I think the first time that I ever really recognized you on screen was when you were in Shogun. Yep, I know. The Tokyo Tank. Sorry, the Toho Tank in Tokyo. That's what I was in with Richard. Um, um, Richard was great, actually. Lovely. It was hard work. I mean, it was, you know, I I got screwed up with that. I only got... Lavelle, no, Clavel, James, Jimmy Clavel. Jimmy Clavel, who wrote the book, and was one of the senior executive producers on on the movie. On the movie, said to me, um, he said he wanted me to play the blind, the um, the deaf and dumb guy. I did an audition for him, and he offered me that. And um, something else came up that I was doing. Um, another film, and I can't remember what it was, but I'd have to look it up. I was actually then contracted to do another film, and it went on. I, I didn't think it would go on that further. And my agent sort of screwed it up. So we had to turn down the um, the deaf and dumb guy who got six weeks in Tokyo. Then uh, I just, Jimmy insisted, which is rather sweet, insisted that I be in it as a sort of totem. And because uh, I did martial arts, so he, was quite, he was quite impressed with the fact that I did Aikido. And um, so he said, no, I want, I want him to play, let him play the Dutch. Let him play the Dutch sailor. So that was it. I played the Dutch one. And uh, so I only had literally a few days in Tokyo. But I went there with the Royal Shakespeare Company afterwards, um, with Judy Dench and a whole bunch of people, and Sinderman, yeah, Donald, I think Donald yeah, doing Henry V and uh, Twelfth Night. We were the first European company to go to, to Japan and play in English on stage. English the Americans had played there, but no companies, no theatre companies had ever played there. And it was the the RSC, which is fairly heavyweight. And um, so, you know, I ended up having dinner with Mifuni and Katsu in a geisha house because they were both very drunk and they thought this big Scotch guy and buddy of mine, he thought they thought we were gangsters, <laughs> and we're going. And they're saying, and suddenly at one stage, Katsu was very, very drunk. Zatoichi, right? 
the blind swordsman, he, um, he looked at Mifune and went, Haiyu, which is Japanese for actor. I knew that much. And I went to Boyd, the other actor with me, we've been lumbered, lumbered. We're lumbered. Well, and I got bodyguards. <laughs> and we're in the wrong place. <laughs> And Boyd is a big hairy Scot, you know. I mean, so you know what they you know, you know what they can be like. Um, you know, like one Texas Ranger, you know. That's that's all you need. Well, just, uh, the Glasgow boys are like that. And he was trying to, and it, so we we just we were very polite. And then Mafuni asked, did we like Japanese ladies? And we said we lied, of course, and said yes. And they then decided to take us out. He and Mafuni took, uh, sorry, Mafuni and uh, Katsu took us to. Acacia House, which was one of the most boring evenings. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I mean, because you can't understand the language. So, so the grace notes. Do you know what I mean? You you miss the grace notes. That's the trouble with it. I mean, God, we're both we're both sensitive enough not to misbehave, which we didn't do either. We didn't get drunk. Um, we were very polite and very well behaved. And um, but it, in all honesty, it was a little bit, little bit over the top. But it did stand me in good stead when I came back to Japan, yeah, about uh, 20 years later, um, with the RSC, because I knew where to eat, sort of what to. Well, things have changed as well. But um, but you've got to remember that they don't really like gaijin that much. Uh, and I had a red beard. I was redheaded with a red beard. And um, so I was a novelty, um, and I've determined to stay that way. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, Rada suddenly I was still at Rada, and after a couple of weeks, Fernald sent John Fernald, boss, principal sent for me. So well, Shepherd, well, Shepherd, and I went. Uh, uh, oh, I love it! I love it. He said, "Really?" Oh, yeah. I'm getting an education, and I said, "The girls aren't bad either." And he looked at me and I do not wish to hear that. The payoff to that, he said, I'm t- anyway, so I did a two-year course, and I did 18 months, and uh, he sent for me, and he said, okay, Shepard. I went, yes, it's all Shepard. Yes, sir. What, sir? Ex-Naval Commander, sir. Well, he said, uh, you're leaving here. Oh, why? Because you've got been offered a job. You're kidding, sir. <laughs> no, 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 you've been offered a job. You start at the Royal Lyceum Theatre in Butter the week after next. And you are playing a body servant in a film, in a play with Moira Shearer. And it's understudy and play. They saw you and, and we t- talked to them. I talked to the director. And uh, they saw your award-winning... Really, sir? Award-winning? He said, yes, you're going, you're going Shepherd. You're gone. <laughs> he's still standing at the door, you know, and he's going, you're gone. You will be gone when this, this is over. You'll be gone at the end of this week. Shepard, go and learn to be a professional. Lovely. Payoff. Um, 25 years later, nearly 30 years later, I'm at Gow Street Hospital, taking my mother in. My wife's moving. I'm moving the car. And it's Gower Street. The hospital is in Gower Street, which is where Rada is, four or five hundred yards down the road. And a man comes in the lobby. A man hobbles towards me with one leg and the crutch 
and I look at the uh, wheelchair, uh, wheelchair there and I said, what? He said, no, 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 please, please, no, no, I must learn to do it myself. Oh. And he did, and he got in the thing, and he turned around and looked at me again. And a young man came out of the bathroom. I thought, he's an actor. He's an actor, a young kid. And I looked, and of course, the rod is just down the road. And Gina came down. My wife came down, and uh, I said, and she saw me looking at this man. He's looking at me, and he suddenly went. He tapped the boy's hand. I always remember the boy was standing behind him. And he went, that's one of mine. And I looked at him, and I started to, I nearly went, I really nearly went. And I held on to him, and he just said, I'm so proud of you. I've had that through my career. I know I'm not a star, so what? You know, that's what it's about. You do what you do, because I've looked, looked you up as well. And you, I was going through some of the interviews you guys, you guys have had. And wonder what happened to the first guy. <laughs> but don't, don't, even, don't, don't even, don't go, don't even go there. <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> uh, I'm 83, come on, what can you do to me now? You know? And I worked with, my God, I worked with some sons of bitches. But most of them pretty good. Like, you know, one of them actually asked me, he said, am I wearing a son of anything? Oh, yeah. You know, it's only because you know what you're doing. He said, yeah, you know what you're doing. And you know what you're doing better than a lot of young actors because the kid that you're, Michael Bay, the kid that you're berating, he's, uh, he doesn't know the scene. He knows his lines. He thinks that's all he's got to do. And it's not. He's got to know the scene. And you are yelling because he doesn't know the scene. And, of course, you don't believe in us saying the dialogue that you've written. <laughs> you don't believe in it. And he doesn't. He changes it. My entire performance in Transformers is, um, you know, it's just, uh, he's, he shouts the lines. Onward, men, forward to victory. And I go, onward, men, forward to victory. You know, as a British sort of you know, Arctic explorer. I mean, that's what Michael wanted. Never had a moment's trouble. Never had a moment. You know. And Michael Mann is, is wonderful. Lynch, Nolan, Spielberg. He was so nice to me. He said, what's your favorite, what is your favorite film? I said, favorite film? He said, what's your favorite Western? Oh, I said, oh, the one about not the searchers. I said, oh, no. Oh, no. And I went, uh, I know, I believe that's when you look at before you start. He said that and the Lawrence of Arabia. I said, oh, that's, that's a great choice. It's a great choice. And searchers is a great movie, except why does Ford allow that? rubbish in the middle between uh, Jeffrey Hunter and Ken Curtis, you know. You're going to fight with my fiancé, you know. That's, you know, it's all that. And I'm going, that's Ford going, you know. So he said, no, no, no. I said, I said Outlaw Jersey Wales. And he went, what about a serial? I said, it's Wayne's best. Come on. It's Wayne's greatest performance, okay? I grant you that. It really is. Red River. And the man can act. The man really could act. I mean, it's so silly for people to you know to be putting him down and saying this, that, and the other. Because the man's a movie star. He did no more. Uh, he's he's no more. He's more. Of, he's an actor like uh, for movies like McQueen was. But then you when you it's when you watch McQueen in the Sand Pebbles, you suddenly go, "Wow, I do anyway," because there's a, an engineer. That's when he's playing an action of a guy who's in love with engines. I get it. 
I mean, he strokes the damn thing, you know. Um, when you get that kind of commitment, you know, you know sometimes he's kind of... I mean, Wayne didn't always have the best films, um, but my God, he did put in some performances. And I, I, I met Angie Dickinson, you know, and I said that one... Your love scene with him at the end of Rio Bravo, that goes to me with Murphy's Romance. I teach on Murphy's Romance because Jimmy Garner is one of my favorite actors. Lovely, lovely actor. And that last scene where they're talking about, she said, Sally, whatever her name is, she, she looks at him and says, are we talking about the weather? He said, well, you are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and this is a guy who just without without just shifting his trousers sideways, can play a role. I saw his back, the one performance in his book he hated, The Man Called Sledge. Terrific villain. Terrific bad guy. It was there, it was an edge, there was a nastiness to it. He apparently just didn't like doing that, um, which is, okay, that's his choice. Uh, I'm not going to argue. What else do you want to know? <laughs> Tell me about you working in The Elephant Man and what it was like working with David Lynch at that time and then also with Wild at Heart when he was so many more years advanced in his career. Okay. I was only going to play the buddy of Mike Elphick, uh, the night porter in the hospital, right? That's who he was. And I was his drunken buddy. And I only had a few lines, uh, which were about... Uh, you know, where the back of a guy and all that was very low life, uh, drunk, brutal, angry, sort of repressed character. I danced on the bar top, and that's all that was left. I was hired for four days. What the story about it, I love because I was hired for four days. Johnny Hurt was just phenomenal. Well, mind you, Billy Crudup doing it on Broadway wasn't bad either, and he did it with he did it with no makeup. Um, which is the way to do it. Uh, John had to do it on film, like this. but was and John's a joy to work with anyway. And Freddie Jones and uh, Freddie and I go way back and many times together. We were in Venice together at the Venice Film Festival, doing uh, the, the, uh, the, the Eugene O'Neill um, piece um, at a, the Biennale Festival, um, the Irish thing. And um, Lynch was a, a charmer, loved what he was doing really focused uh, cast and there's something about British actors I will say is that um, which was said to me by uh, Bernie Kowalski when I was doing uh, the nativity years later in in Spain they had a kerfuffle and they couldn't get the lights into this certain bunch of rocks outside in the desert in Almeria I heard uh, Bernie go, well, you're going to be up and doing this for a guy, you know, like, come on, come on, we're going to lose, we're losing the light, we're losing everything. And Freddie, who was the, 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 the number one, really, I was number two, and John Reese Davis was probably number three, sort of. And suddenly Freddie, we looked at him and said, well, we could squeeze in there and do that scene for tomorrow, the one that's set in the bar. Do you have to do it in the bar? And he went, no. No, we don't. We do it now. Hey, do you guys know it? We went, yeah. We ran over it last night. Oh, when I got you three, I got Tiffany's. That's not bad. Lovely guy. Good movie. Very good movie. Madeline, Madeline Stowe's first movie. Anyway, you're asking about Lynch. The payoff to that came in the movie called The Wild at Heart, 
Well, Gersh at my age is then better. Gersh said, uh, they wanted David Lynch was seeing. Went, oh, great, okay. <laughs> I uh, go to see David. I walk in the door and look at me. Hello, hello. Um, let me pick up your script on the way out. In that marvelously disingenuous, um, I'm sort of a fairy sprite, really, in a strange, and writes the most disgusting dialogue, but will never, ever say it. You've got to say it, but he doesn't say it. But he writes lines, you know, I mean, I won't, I won't go there because you won't be able to cut that, and there's no point. Um, but I said, well, he said, pick up the script on the way. We, you're playing Mr. Reindeer. You, 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 want to play, you do want to play Mr. Reindeer. I said, I have no idea what, what the script's about. Don't worry. Just let, let Joy know when you get home, when you have a look at it. So I picked up a script and went home, looked at it, and realized Mr. Reindeer is a Creole pimp sitting on the toilet with his, <laughs> with his trousers around his knees and going, God, it's going to David Lynch picture. Jesus, this is great. <laughs> this, oh, I love it. This is my wild Irish imagination. Anyway, so Joy rings up. This is true. Joy rings up and says, okay, now, um, David says you can play it English. I went, no, 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 Creole got to be Creole. Oh, now he's not English man running a New Orleans bordello. No, come on. She went, really? Can you do it? I said, yeah. Who, who else are you going to? She said, oh, Grace. I know Grace. She, she's from there. She's from she's New Orleans. She went, oh. I said, yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, I really am. Honestly, I'll do, I'll, I'll, I'd love to do it. Of course I want to do it. But I, I want to do the Creole. I'll learn. Now I've got, well, I've got about four weeks, four or five weeks. And she went, okay. And I said, um, oh, and I'll tell you what else I want. I think he wants two 14-year-olds serving him tea on a silver salver, stark naked. I was joking. She goes back in. She said, and it's, she told me afterwards, um, she said, you know, one is sort of mandated to tell him exactly what you've said as far as possible. You know, one's got to say that just in case you really did mean it. But I don't know. Knowing you, she said, I should have known better. Because <laughs> she'd cast me three or four times. She always did. Anyway, so he went, what? She said he wants two 14-year-olds naked with tea on a silver salver. That's right. With tea on a silver And naked. That's right. <sighs> and smiled. And he went, oh, yes. What? David, you can't. You can't. You can't at 14 year old. We can't get him anyway. Don't be silly. He said, what, what year can you get? And she went, um, 16. <laughs> Rings me that night at home. You have dropped me right in. <laughs> and she said, you're teaching, right? Have you got any 16 year olds? I went, yeah, I got a couple young ones. Yeah. Might be able to play it. So that Saturday class I went in and I said anybody like to do a movie with Uncle Morg <laughs> and they looked at me and said yeah I said it looks like it, you may have to be naked um, but it's a David Lynch picture and, and complete silence and a couple of the girls go naked I said yeah yeah and Lisa just went and came up and she went I, is, is it with the scene? Is it a scene with you? I said yes. It's just a scene with me at the, be at the, at the beginning of my character. 
Oh, okay. That would be okay. So I rang, she went down and saw David, and David said, uh, he said, oh, fine, can you dance? She said, yeah, I want you to dance in front of him and entice him when we come to do the scene. Now, there'll only be me, camera, sound, Morgan, you, that's it. Nobody else. The set, oh, everybody else is banned from the set. All right? Right, we come to do it. I'm sitting there, and she's got a dressing gown on. And he said, um, don't take your dressing gown. Um, can you just take your top off? No, nothing else. And this is the measure of the man. He then said, uh, you don't have any lines. I know. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Got a little piece of paper, wrote on it, handed it to her. It was a five-line haiku. And she got a sad card. That's the measure of Mr. Mr. Lynch. Ah, that's so nice. Yep. You know, there's, I, I, I know all the horror stories in the, you know, I don't know all them, but I know the horror stories in the business. But um, I've, I've never actually, I've only ever had one, one, which I won't go into, I really won't. Um, but one where the director was behaving, and I just, I just called him a very rude name and just walked. You know, I just walked off the set and I stayed there and I, I was applauded as I left. Oh, he had misbehaved, and, and he was I, I mean, asking us to, to, it was a bit dangerous, it was a little bit dangerous, what he was asking us to do, um, at three o'clock in the bloody morning, and we had 17 hours in full prosthetics, whatever, you know, that's the only time, I mean, after 57 years, that's the only one I can complain about, it's not bad, you know, not bad, and you meet so much talent, you work with so much talent, there's so much good stuff about. I, I don't worry about the crap, you know. You know, but now what you know is my son said, so what are you complaining about? You haven't worked for for about a month or so. He said, what are you worried about? He said, you've just done Dexter, Mad Men, and he said, there's always sunny in Philadelphia. And he had guest star roles in all three. So what are you, what are you worried about? He's quite right. You know, I can't, I can't complain. I love it. I still love it. The passion's still there. I can see that's with you guys. You've got that too. I wanted to ask you about Max Headroom. I loved you as Blank Reg. One of my favorite roles of all time. You had such chemistry with Conchetta Tomei. How did you guys uh, manage to do that? It was just so effortless the way you pulled that off. Oh, she's 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 class. She is a classy lady. Um, yeah, they were. Uh, they could be. They can be difficult. Um, Concetta was absolutely, it was a very good bunch. It was a really good bunch with Tambor and George, George Kirkbeth and, and uh, everybody good. Bill Maher did one episode. Um, they got, they attracted good people. And, um, Concetta and I, Concetta was camp. She is very camp. I'm, I'm not going to take any credit because uh, don't, don't be silly. I mean, the woman's loaded with talent. She's, what is it? She's, she, she reminds you of being a galleon in full sail, you know. <laughs> she, she can be. When she tosses that scarf around her neck. The great thing is, we did um, a TV interview about three years ago, which was entirely based on trying to get them to revive Max Headroom. They called Concetta and I in to do, to do the chat on live on camera and Steve Roberts who wrote who writes it and Blank Reg was his uncle a real Blank Reg I uh, based it entirely on this uh, that's why I made him a paratrooper 
And um, well, don't tell me. I'll tell you how I got why I got the job, um, which is interesting. Um, anyway, Concetta and I was just fell on each other's arms, and we sat there talking. And yeah, I forget who the interviewer was, but it was one of the TV guys. And suddenly, um, Steve said, "You see, look, look at him, look at him." And he said, well, "God damn it, they're still sexy." And um, <laughs> we laughed and said, "Oh yeah." You know, chance of a fine thing, and uh, he just went, "No, no, you know, no, that's the way we're going to go." What? Well, no, we're not going young. That's where everybody goes wrong. Revive the show and put it young and pretty. Wrong. No, I want old and grizzled. That, that's you, not consider. <laughs> but um, he said, "You know, that's it. Oh, that's what we want." Blank rage. He said in a Chanel, in a you know, a Chanel suit. Uh, not a Chanel suit. The other one. The, 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 she was dressed Chanel. Versace in a Versace suit and a briefcase on the beach of Malibu or Venice that's what I want that's the, kind of video. That's the pilot the new pilot but I couldn't, they couldn't get it going they just could not get it going we sat there and realized that it was Reg loved her Reg loved her he loved Dom and she would in her way rely totally she didn't love him but she would that didn't bother him, that, you know, but that was her, the way she played. But he was her guardian. He was her, the man who, uh, her daughter, in a way, a spiritual doppelganger, but um, that she could totally, the only man probably she could totally rely on. And for him, it was, I've never met anything quite like that. I've never met just a, just a smell of a perfume, just a... You know, and I used to do stuff like that before I seen him. You know, walk past my bed and give me the will to live. You know, stuff like that. And uh, she responded and played because she was so strong, such a strong actress. I was, you know, actually, actually asked at one stage, do you like playing with her? I said, oh, are you kidding? Are you kidding? It's, it's gangbusters coming back at you. I mean, it's, it's, it's what it's about. I got the job because... The phone went just before Christmas in 1967, 68, I can't remember which one. And uh, I was out of work. I wasn't struggling, but I, was, I hadn't worked for a month or so, at least a month, maybe several. But I had a good run on television. I'd left the Royal Shakespeare Company. I was 12 years with them. But I'd left them. I was now on the commercial and free market. And I was in good stuff. A lot of uh, TV movies, uh, movies of the week, the Nativity AD, stuff like that. Um, those sort of shows. Uh, Masada, I did that as well. A whole bunch of Roman generals or centurions. Anyway, the phone went. That was Peter Wagner, the producer of Max Headroom, the English version, who should have won the Nace Cable Award. And he said, uh, you got a passport? I went, mm, yeah. He said, uh, do you want to come to Hollywood? I went, well, to do what? He said, no, Max Headroom. Americans have picked it up. I went, oh, am I? He said, yeah, you're doing Black, you're doing black Ranch. All right? But I warn you, they don't want you. They don't want to pay the freight. Like, get your agent on it, because we're dealing now. Okay, so my agent got a fairly good deal, not bad, for a beginner in Hollywood. And everything goes back to back to beginners. They don't care about European credits you know, at all. No, they really don't. Um, and, you know, it's a darker, harder place. Um, so you've got to be a little bit more, uh, you know, walk softly, but carry very big stick. So, which I can do and do, have done. Anyway, uh, off, I get on a plane, go, go there. I'm met by a driver, and I say, Sepulveda Boulevard. 
and uh, it, it takes me to this concrete block of apartments, which is about two miles from MGM, Universal. And uh, I walk there the next morning because I'm too scared to drive. And I'm nervous because I'm thinking, they don't want me, they don't want me, they don't want me, they don't want me, I'm sorry, my bloody love. I get there and I go into a wax office. Now, the reason I don't want you is because of this. Blank Reg is an MF, right? A real MF. That's the way you played him. Funny and dangerous. That's what you do. They've not been able to bring me one guy. That's funny and dangerous. I've got funny who can't ride a bike. And I've got dangerous who can't be funny or handle lines. Because Blank Reg is, you know, he's a he's comic. You're, you play him like a comic character. But you do the Liverpool kiss. And I want you to do that in the first, your first episode. The Liverpool kiss, do it with Bruegel. Headbutt, right between the eyes. It's the Glasgow kiss, the Liverpool kiss, you know. That's, so that's why we put that one in. Two days later, I started one scene. Uh, my first scenes, did the first episode, my first episode, sorry, which I think was episode number two. As I, Wag sent for me, again, producer, so I walked again to Universal, and he said, have you unpacked? I went, no. <laughs> said, Pat Stewart said, don't unpack. <laughs> he, he didn't unpack for six weeks, apparently. Um, and I said, I am no, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, no, no. And he went, oh, no, stop it. Do you notice all the doors opening? What? When you walk down that corridor to my office, all those doors open. I saw it from where I was. You're fine. You're fine. Really? He said, yeah. Yeah. It's all that hey baby stuff. Now watch out. Now watch out. I got on quite well with the American producers. And yeah, I did. Because I said, I've got four lines in this episode. And they went, I said, cut it. They went, what? I said, cut it. Reg is exotic, an exotic character. You can only have him in small doses. I know that. I, I remembered that from failing in comedy all those years ago. Because I've learned, I've learned from every mistake I've ever made, most of the time. I really have. That's why I love him. I'm still learning. You know, when Emmanuel Reaver at 84 is told for L'Amour, L'Amour, sir. With, he said, we've got Tontinio uh, um, out of retirement to do this with you. She went, oh, wonderful. Read the script and went, oh, I can't. This, this old lady has a stroke and he looks after her unwillingly. That's the whole premise. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. And that, the, the, the shower scene, she said, I can't do this. I can't do the shower scene. Not at my age. Not naked. And he went, okay, all right, then we won't. We will cut it. And then a couple of days later, she said, um, um, I can do the shower scene. He said, yeah. really? He said, yes. She's going to do it. She's going to do it. Reg was such a punk rocker. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons I got the job as well, because uh, Rocky Morton and Annabelle Janko, Rocky said to me at the interview when I was went in to read for it. He said, would you shave your head? I went, yeah, yeah. For this, yeah, I would. He said, good. He said, now, he said, you know he loves Elvis. I said, no. What? I said, no. Grateful Dead. Zappa. Yeah, that's what he loves. That's what he wants. And eventually it goes, maybe the Eagles, maybe. 
Elvis? Nah, not really. Not for Reg. It's not quite pure. <laughs> he said, what? Not quite. I said, my son's a drummer, which Mark was. He's a very good drummer, too. Very good professional drummer. Oh, that's how I got the job. I shaved my head and uh, did Black Reg. And one, as I said, one of my favorite characters of all time. Are you surprised by the longevity of that series? I mean, here we are talking about it all these years later. Yeah. You talked about the possible revival of it. Yeah, yeah. My wife is waiting. She said, <laughs> my lovely wife said, I don't want to go before you do it again. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, God, what a family I've got. You know? <laughs> it's great. Thank God I've still got some vitality left. You know, no, I, I'm all right. I'm all right. Of course, I'm okay. The Reg was a, a delight to do. Um, the arguments were going on upstairs. The arguments were going on backstage. The arguments were going on sort of off the set, which is what didn't help it. It didn't help it. We were tight. We were very, very tight. Good bunch. Um, and fun. There was no artistic uh, shenanigans going on with uh, anybody on, on that crew, with um, Matt and, uh, and Mandy. Mandy, Amanda's father was my agent uh, in England for 16 years, yeah. And then I came here, and of course, the, 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 I never went, I've never really gone back. Um, I've, I never had the need. Suddenly, uh, I was with Gersh for Eighty-six. Yeah, about nearly seventeen years, fifteen to seventeen years. I was with Gersh, and um, knowing them now, um, but I'm with a very good agency now. Well, uh, what they call a boutique agency, but uh, um, they're good. They are classy. They really are. They're New York based, and they like actors. They really do care about actors. One of them made a documentary, which I'm in. Which you will love, I'm sure you may have seen it. You guys would have seen it. That guy who was in that thing? Right. I remember that that one. Yeah. And my agent is, shot is right up our alley. Isn't oh, wow. It? Okay. Yeah. yeah. My agent. My lovely Ian. We hug. 16 years. Uh, sorry, 16 characters, 16 men, and 12 girls. The, the, the girls' one's out now. And what a bunch of actors. Well, that's. My agency, I mean, the boutique agency. <laughs> You've got those guys, you know, Guilfoyle and Davison and Itzkin, and, uh, you know, Itzkin and I worked together on a play, in, in, which was Andy Robinson directed, which was pretty good, pretty good. No, as Michael Caine looked at me from his great height, and the same agency, he said, America's been very good to you, hasn't it, son? <laughs> And I went, well, you're not doing so badly either. I screwed up my first take on the prestige. Um, where things happened for me is that uh, when I went in to see Nolan, Christopher Nolan, who's very reserved, he said, uh, I like, we, we like your reading on tape, but you, you're sort of playing it while working class, aren't you? I said, uh, yes, very much so. He said, well, don't you, I was sort of thinking Charles Dance. I went, oh, no. Um, no, I said, it's uh, um, that working, it's a working class up through the ranks, suddenly now running a theater, a theater manager. He's not a promoter. 
He's a theatre manager. He works for a promoter. He works for um, Eddie Hibbert's character, actually, who's a gentleman. I mean, total gentleman. But I'm not. I'm a warrant officer, regimental sergeant major. I run it. I run it like that. Because these, uh, these artists are such wankers. You know, it's all that. And he went, oh, that's how I got the job. It's, I got um, the uh, uh, Transformers. With, uh, the second callback was, 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 was with Michael Bay. And he's sitting in a chair and he suddenly said, he said, I'll just tell you the scene we're talking about. Which, because we had no script, you don't see the script. You only saw your three lines, about three pages. So, anyway. And he said, he falls down a crevasse. And as he comes to the bottom of the crevasse, he's picked up in a giant hand, which he looks at and he goes mad. And I went, what? He's horrified. I went, why? He went, what's the first time he's ever seen a, a robot? I, went, I said, he's read this Jules Verne, isn't he? which would have been that period. And he went, probably, yes. And I got the job. That's why I got Yeah. Now, it's doing the research. I'm not being a smart ass. I mean, you know, I wouldn't have known it beforehand necessarily, but I just checked the dates. I thought of Jules Verne. Check the dates. Yes, that's quite possible. Because my guy's Victorian, and Verne was about 10 years before then, literally. So the 1880s, 18, you know, and do it that way. Yeah, I love that. That's how I got Gettysburg which is a tremendous honor. Two non-Americans, two non-Americans in that movie, two. Both of us went to the same school in Ireland. Tell me the Gettysburg story about um, you screwing up on set. Well, it was Ewell or Early, the two generals' names, one Southern, one Northern. Um, I'm there. I am nervous about the accident. Um, Americana, it's the real deal. I'm also aware of one thing, which is that Royal Dano read for the role and hadn't got it, and I got it. That's the you know the tattered man, right? Ragged man, tattered man. Yeah. And uh, and, uh, and as Ron Maxwell said, a gentleman, a perfect Southern gentleman. So I got it because apparently the energy and uh, the attack. This is ferocious, old Ike Trimble. I go there. What I don't know is behind the camera in the next room is the video, and there is Ron, and there are Mr. Perringer, Mr. Elliot. I think Stephen Lang was possibly there. I'm not sure who was there, but it was that sort. Of, the heavyweights are standing behind the thing because Perringer has said, "Who's playing Trimble?" And Ron said, "Morgan Shepherd." Who? He said, oh, he's, well, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's uh, Anglo, he's Anglo Irish. <laughs> it's true. Uh, he said, we got him. Well, I heard him over there. He's got a British accent. He said, no, no, he's going to do it in Maryland. I'm going to do it in Maryland. Um, and the, oh, sure. All right. We'll see. And take one. I did take one. Marty Sheen. Oh, Marty Sheen's a, oh, we knew each other from London. Where he did a play, the the, uh, the play, the Larry, well, the the first of those uh, hate say, uh, plays about uh, hate, the first of that. Uh, oh, Larry Kramer is there somebody like that wrote a play about AIDS, That one, it's quite well known. He played in Broadway and he played in. England. Well, Marty was losing his voice, and John Terry was in the play as well. He's a pal of mine, 
and a good, very, very good friend of mine. And um, John said, rang me, he said, throat, throat, what do you do? And I said, oh, um, the, the fisherman's friend. And he said, get something, bring, would you bring them down to the theater? Okay, yeah, so. Um, okay, I got it, I got it. He said, it's Martin, Martin Sheen's losing his voice. So I, I stopped up with some herbs and pastels. I made a phone call to a very, very, very scam, famous guy in London called Dr. Bunt, who rescues your voice. He will get you your voice through that show that night. If you can't, haven't got another study or your other studies not doing it, you will do it with that voice. But it will get you to sound. And um, somebody always remembered that. So welcomed me on, uh, on that and then got very ticked off with me because he had to take over from me in Babylon 5 as a soul hunter. And uh, I had made a fairly original sound, apparently. <laughs> And he said, nobody, no, no human being could do that, except an idiot like you. <laughs> anyway, uh, so he's been very sweet as um, Robert E. Lee. And he said, looked up at me anyway. It's not, you could see I was sweating. It's not like, uh, it's not like, uh, oh, we're doing it at home, isn't it? Or the hotel, yeah? I'm like, oh, shut up. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay, I'm ready, yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready. Do the first take. Ron comes racing out from the back. Right, bigger, more accent. Ron races way again. Oh, Christ. Okay, number two. Take. Ron goes, you that. Bigger, more accent. Third take. Now I'm beginning to. Oh, the accent, God damn it, come on. I teach acting, for God's sake, so I'm giving myself notes. I said, oh, shut up, Shepard, you know, shut up. Get, you know, the secret policeman in the head, you know, you know, you know. I don't want that little bastard in the head to go away. You all are early. What? Which one is it? Which one is it? Which one am I yelling at? No, I'm not, I'm not yelling at Lee. I'm yelling at you all are early. Yeah. Which one? I've got to say it. I can't remember it now. Uh, anyway, so I went into it and... And what really happened was Morgan Shepard took over from the character and was angry at taking over, dropping out of character into Morgan Shepard actor. And that's why I went, and I threw down my sword in front of him. And I gestured with my right hand, which didn't have a sword in it because my sword was carried on my left, which is still in the scabbard. And Marty's eyes flicked over to it. And I then was able to go, getting off Marty's eyes, I looked at him and he came back. His eyes came back from where my hand was by my hip. And he just looked up, leaned back, and I knew I was all right or something. I just felt shit. Well, I don't know. That's... And many a good boy is going to die, taken a hill, and I want, you know, I, you know, I some, politely was suddenly uh, request another assignment. That's right. Request another assignment. He went, no, Major General, no, General Trimble. You will be better served. And he did, because he did a good job in Baker's Charge, uh, which is now back, by the way. My stuff is back. That was cut. And here's the payoff to this. How about that? Is that they came around, Berenger, Sam, it's Berenger, really, came around and just said, just held my hug and said, welcome to the Army of Northern Virginia. Well, you can't beat that. And after that, I was 
I was I seemed to be okay. And uh, the payoff came when Ron was cutting it. Four hours, three hours. And then said, so I'm very sorry, Morgan, it's, it's gone. Had to go. Ted Turner. Ted Turner. How about that? As Ron said, how about that? Turner said, it's, it's essential because it's a high arc. It's a, it is an arc. And Ron went, which, to be fair, Ron said, that's exactly why I cast him. Because in the RSC, they're able to do that, that climb, you know, go up and, and validate the climbing the mountain, as we call it. Because you've then got the after surge coming afterwards. At the after when you got to, once you reach the creek, but it's what you do afterwards, coming down the other side. And um, he said, that's up and then down, and apparently. And he said, that works. So they tried it in Atlanta. Put it back, worked, apparently. Tried it the next night, took it out, mm-hmm. bit of flatness, and then put it back again, and they said, oh yeah, people were very nice about it. And after that, I never had any more arguments about whether I could do an American accident. I got better. I actually got, I can do better than that. Yeah. I've just done Texas with Barry Corbin and, uh, and uh, Richard Reel and Jim McCrell. Just done a movie down there. Which is coming out, coming up soon, coming out soon, and uh, that was sort of West Texas. You talked about how you would tend to play older, and I was always so amazed when I would find out how old you were when you were playing certain roles, like especially your role in Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, ah. where <laughs> I know makeup definitely helped towards the end when you're getting more demonic, but yeah. I was just so surprised at what age you were, but you managed to pull off that older guy so well. Thank you. That's very kind. Very observant, actually. Um, why do I say that? Sounds so pompous. Sorry, I don't mean that. I really don't mean that. Um, that's been a thing. It's what I call actors plastique. Um, there are certain actors whose faces can change without them doing much. And my battle has been to do less, always to do less. David Hemmings just said to me once, he said, you know, just calm down, Morgan, and, you know, just take it down. I'm doing... I've taken it down. I've taken it down. I'm taking it down. He said, yeah, you've got a a big personality. You're noisy. Shh. (laughs) You know. And you can, when you get, you know, you get that from people who give a damn about you or, or just giving you a note because, oh, God, you know, don't be so bloody boring. It's, um, I've been lucky like that. I really have been lucky. I've had good people saying to me every so often. I mean, I've had, my favorite story, if you want to hear it, is me and O'Toole. I mean, we're in a bad play. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, please. Okay. We're in a very bad play called Baal, Brecht, bad, bad translation. Not, be, not being well directed, and nobody's being very, very good, including yours truly. And uh, suddenly a tool shout, picks me up, picks me up. And I always wondered why he picked me up, but he picks me up. And he says, where did you learn to act? Like in Bridlington Rep? Well, you can imagine what the standard is in Bridlington Rep, which is a small seaside town with about four people calling themselves a professional theatre company, which is not true. But, uh, yeah. So I shouted back, and you were playing this like Jesus Christ on a bicycle. And we just ran at each other and luckily got stopped. His people stopped. And it stopped me, because I knew, I knew. Anyway, that was then. We got through the, the play bond. 
and we opened a couple of weeks later. Still, we, we made it up so that we could work. We're not going to bear a grudge about that. Um, but when you've got the Irish side, you know, it gets... We hate long. We grudge long. long. And um, because it's so easy for them. And it's so we're so defenseless in many ways when you're you know, just supporting actor sometimes. And that's why I don't play them like supporting actors. My son does. That's why my son's doing so well. Because he picked that up. He looked at me and he said, you used to do that. And he said, you could have been better. You could have been further. Play it like a bloody star. Play it like, this is my patch. This is me. And Brian Cox, uh, well, I got an award because of Brian Cox. We just said to me, fill your boots. You're the best thing up there. And I'm going, no, 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 don't be stupid. Don't be, please. No, these, are, these guys are good. Yes, they're good. They're giving you everything. Take it. Oh, yes, take it. They're good. They don't have the roles that you've got. You've got the lead old fart fart. You've got him. And I was, you know, well, really? Yes. You know, and uh, I did, he's right. We're talking about David, David Dukes. We're talking about... Brendel Van Dusen, Greg Etzkin, Carol, Carol Lawrence, I mean, Sharon Lawrence. I mean, what a marvelous bloody cast. And I'm going, I'm so lucky to be working. And he said, yes, and then bloody lucky to have you. <laughs> you know, major lesson, and that was, that was me learning in 1995 when Brian Cox just put his arms around me and just said, take it, it's yours. It, and it's supposed to be yours. There. When it's your scene. Not the whole bloody play. And don't try and steal the bloody thing. Of course you're not. That's stupid. And uh, that was it. That was a major, major thing that happened. Anyway, now we go back in time to O'Toole. Okay, a year after that incident and that terrible play, I'm doing my very first Royal Shakespeare Company performance in Genes Le Paravon, the, uh, the one about Algeria. And I'm playing a foreign legion lieutenant. And as Brooke said, Peter Brooke said, oh, by the way, he's gay, don't swish. One swish and you're fired. And you would have been. That's what gay does. That's what, uh, sorry, <laughs> that's what Brooke does. He'll fire you. Um, he has no time. He's no time to waste. His life's too short. Just screw around. You know, he's quite right. And um, that night, um, opening night, we open and... Uh, I, all I did was to play the gay thing was to uh, hold my sergeant, who was very handsome, hand a little too long. <laughs> and the laugh at the back came from the voices on, oh, off, just off stage. O'Toole's in. O'Toole's in. O'Toole's at the back. And O'Toole was leading the laughs. The show finishes. Nice, nice applause. Good reviews. Theatre of Cruelty. It's good Based on the theatre called Gato Arto, Jeanne wrote the wrote the wrote the piece. So you can imagine what it's like. Um, it's got that tough. You know, um, it, yeah, it's just tough. Anyway, um, I'm the last one out because I costumed and things and take it off. It's my first one for the Royal Shakespeare Company, and uh, then you know they they were big boys, and I'd been in the West End. I'd been on Criminal and Broadway. And then in subservience roles, very small roles. Now I've got a decent role, not a huge role, but a decent role. 
which sort of set my Rolls-Royce to come to career. It really did. As I came out of the dressing room door, there's a gantry along the, at the Donmar Theatre at the back. There's a long um, iron gantry. And down at the end of it is O'Toole with a camel hair coat. And I will be honest, I looked at him and I thought, God, you really are gorgeous. <laughs> you really are. I mean, they, they done Lawrence, and he, he was a shining. But being the nasty creature I can be sometimes, I walked towards him. He walked towards me. There was nobody behind him. His mob that he always carried and supported and bought them everything and would pay their rent if they were in serious trouble. That was O'Toole. I walked towards him and I said, you're on my patch now. And I went to punch him. He grabbed me, kissed me full in the lips and said, you one-eyed Irish ham. I didn't know you could act. That's O'Toole. After that, it was every time we met and worked together, it was him looking at me with a sly look and a grin. And uh, like, the box is over there. Yeah, I wonder what's in the box. Because it's illegal in Israel to have this. But okay. I said, is he going to have it? I said, no, 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 no. No, I don't. I don't. I don't dip. He said, why not? I said, well... If I sneeze, my eye comes out. <laughs> he never got over that. I love you, Peter. I love you. I love them. My God. And behind me is Quayle, Sir Anthony Quayle. And he's looking. This is in um, AD. No, Masada. No, Masada. AD was there. Yeah. No, it was Masada. And he he had... He did something, something which... Quail, Quail looked at him, Sir Anthony, and he said, whispered to a couple of us, he's a holy fool. He's touched. And that, that um, yeah, that's it. That's it. He was touched. Because he was free. See, most of us aren't. I, I, it took me until 1995. I've been doing from 1958 to 1995 to get free. I was. I could make a living. I was a good actor. I, I, I never got bad notices. In fact, I used to get good notices um, a lot of the time. But I didn't really get it. And I'm still getting it. Don't get me wrong. There's still more to get. <laughs> um, the freedom, which is what it's about. Um, to say what you say and know that you can back it up and know that it's not crap, that you're not talking rubbish. Um, and... I mean, when I do make that mistake, which I do occasionally, obviously, because I'm, I'm, I'm voluble, I stop and I can now fairly quickly correct myself. And I often apologize. Um, I say, excuse me, forgive me. Um, I don't want to sound, you know, pompous. I really don't the last thing I want. Um, because I can. Because there's, there's a, I teach acting and I love it. You know, and I love it. And I've taught some good people too. It's lovely to see somebody who suddenly, like one of my boys, Jake Abel, is doing it. He does a lot of, he does a lot of stuff. Uh, he's a, he's sort of, he looks like Ryan Gosling. He's that kind of young American actor. He's younger than, than Ryan Gosling. But he's very, very good and he works, you know. And he's doing this particular movie with William Hurt and he blew up in a scene. He blew a scene 
And if I say I was in a strong enough position to be able to say, oh, shit, I'm sorry. Can I, can I just have a moment? And I went, yeah, sure. And he went off. He said, I went to, he said, I went to my chair and I went to where my script was, which is what you taught me. And I pulled out my notes, which were in pencil, which is what you taught me. And he said, I'm looking at, and then I'm looking at my sketchbook, which is full of stuff, your quotes, full of quotes, full of quotes. Most from other people, some from you. One in particular leaps out, and I go back on the set. I do exactly that. And William Hurt says to me afterwards, that was good. That was good. What, 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 what happened? He said, well, I found a note there which was applicable. He said, oh, yeah. Mm. What you want is more important than what you want to feel. William Hurt was very sweet about that. He said, where'd you get that? He said, more sure. He said, who? You know, nobody. It's all right. they, know, they know me by the voice, actually, if they know me at all. 95, that was about the time that you won uh, the Dramalogue Award, correct? Yeah, that's right. That's that one. That's, that's what Cox was there. It was Cox who did that. that. Yeah, you got it. That award. That happened, and suddenly I stood on that stage, and thanks to Cox and that marvelous bunch. My God. When, you got some, when you're working with people like Edskin, in particular... Um, who would whisper before we went on? He'd say, "You're not my dad. What for? You piece of shit." And then would walk on. Next night he'd go, "I don't think you're my dad. I don't think you are. You son of a walk on." Another night he'd walk, which was the great thing about acting. I was so privileged and lucky to stand in the wings while Judy Dench. For example, I was doing the ring speech from Twelfth Night, and it sounded different every bloody night. I left no ring with her. What means this lady? Tuesday night. I left no ring with her. What means this lady? And Wednesday night. I left no ring with her. And as Trevor now, and I said, well, how, how do you describe? How do you describe that? I want that for my book. And he went. Uh, coining it at utterance. That's the only way he said I can say it. She coins it as, she, you think she's making it up as she goes along. As you do, you do believe it. I've stood next to her for seven years, almost. I supported that woman, if you know what I mean, in, in shows. But I played, you know, I had good roles to her. They eventually got good roles. Um, and uh, so that, that kind of honesty on stage goes with you. Richard Griffiths had it. In fact, one of the, one of the reviews, I always remember that Richard got for the, that schoolmaster thing he did on Broadway. Uh, bless him. Um, but they said he sits there chatting to his students as if he's making it up. That's it. That's what you've got. All, after that, all you've got to get is, I believe you, Morgan Freeman, wonderful, wonderful. Morgan Freeman saying, Hackman comes up to me on uh, Unforgiven, comes up with a script in his hands and goes, I've got some things to you, which I'll do to you, and I'm going to have to hurt you. And Morgan Freeman said, and I believed him. That's it. That's how good Hackman is. Was, is. Can you imagine standing opposite that? Or, you know, John, John talking about his first scene with Faye Dunaway. He just, he went up. He just went up. And he was experienced. Bloody good actor. Uh, experience. And he said, she turned on her mark, and bang, and it was, he said, I got smacked, psychologically, between the eyes. And I couldn't say my line. 
So he said, I can understand why. He said, you blew up. But you did that to yourself in um, Gettysburg. You blew up. And that's the moment they, they, they talk about. That and Rurapenti, of course. I mean, the, you know, the Klingon stuff, yeah, which, is, which is lovely. You know, enjoy it. And, you know, they're good. They're good. Well, I want to ask you more about uh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Oh, yeah, How sure, that? of course. Oh, adorable. Oh, my gosh. She trained at the Groundlings, as you probably know. Anyway, you know what it is. She's, um, you know, and uh, when he says to her with a bandage on her head, he said, how's your head? And she said, well, I've had no complaints so far. I mean, that's, that's an ad lib. That is an ad lib. And they're arguing as we well, should keep that in the, in the movie. She was having trouble having to walk a boardwalk thing, a plank thing, really, and having to walk it. And it was a tricky little thing to do. And she was, you know, she screwed it up a couple of times. With, and I said, why did you do a, a count? Like one, two, three. And I do three, two, one. She said, Morgan, I cannot do that and act at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. Yeah, I said, yeah, just yeah, chew gum. Oh, God, she's a funny lady. Lovely lady. Great shoot, lovely shoot, nice people, super, really good. And she is so comedic. Yeah, it's, and comedy's got to come from, it's got to come from the heart. It's got to come from a good place. Uh, Oddly enough, it really has, because it's about pain. It's about, uh, um, you know, as Lubitsch saying, it's about smile, for God's sake. I say, you know, I say to my people when I'm coaching, because I play, and Mark and I were, you know, we were sitting there in Australia doing a convention. You know, a guy, an Australian actor, got up and said something about, but you, you guys play villains. And Mark went, oh, no, no, we don't play villains. You know, we don't. What do we play? <laughs> and he said, you know, we play guys who are oppositionists. Yeah. Different point of view from the hero. Every man has his reasons. There are... I said, yeah, that's Brecht. That's Bert Brecht. Every man has his reasons. And if you get lock onto that, then you playing these guys, it's, do they enjoy what they're doing? Or is it, is there a hint of conscience there? Is there, what's, what sort of, um, when I did, um, which I really did a great time with doing, um, The Soul Hunter. I got that because Straczynski asked me, so you've got an idea? You see, you've got a good idea about it. I said, well, there was a, forgive me, but I said, in the last Star Trek I did, <coughs> and he went, yes. I said, uh, well, I'm coming over to you now. Aren't I? Um, I said, uh, anyway, the last one I did was, I was very impressed with the line that, uh, that David Bowie's wife, has to say, well, they don't keep their genitals in the same place. You know, when the Shatner uh, kicks the guy in the ball, in, <laughs> in the groin. And, um, yeah, and uh, I thought, uh, standing there as the Klingon, I always remember, I was thinking about that. And so when I come to, came to this as, as the soul hunter, I'm thinking, what are soul hunter emotions? What is it that I'm doing rather than just killing? I am killing, but why? I know the script says uh, that when people die, they've got to be, their souls have to be taken away from them. So now I've gone a little mad and I'm taking it before they've died, which is what I'm doing. I said, well, it's, it's, it's more hygienic. <laughs> and he just looked and went, 
<laughs> of course, I really liked you in Star Trek Six, but I do have to say I really liked you when you were in the Schizoid Man episode of uh, Next Generation. Doctor Ira Graves. Yep, that was an, uh, that was me meeting Rod- Roddenberry. He poked his head out, and he said to me, "You're doing Graves, yes?" And I went, "Yes." How do you play a genius? I said, bad tempered. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, impatient. That's what I did. Yeah. Lovely. Oh, what a. Uh, I was at a convention to, to a week ago, 10 days ago, Sunday, up in uh, Vegas, and Star Trek, and Frakes, uh, Brent, Pat, Stuart, and uh, LeVar Burton, they were all on stage. And I, being not as well known as they are, and not as, as you know, star player as they are, I'm signing autographs down in a corner, and they suddenly spot me down in the corner, and they all start shouting, about, you know, about a few hundred people in this um, huge um, hotel convention thing center, and they suddenly saw me, and Frakes started, um, "Where's your son? Where you brought the killer?" You brought the killer shepherd, Crowley, and all, they start talking about supernatural. So they're doing a riff, a rip off on my son doing supernatural because he'd also done a Star Trek. But you, you shouldn't, you know, as Frank said, you shouldn't really pick on Morgan because Morgan will use it. <laughs> I then got, I got up, left my signing. I had a line of people waiting to sign as well. It's only because I'm getting old and they know I'm, I'm close to, I'm close to the door now. <clears throat> and, uh, well, I'm slowly closing the door, maybe. Put it that way. Anyway, I just got up in there and we just started screaming at one another. It was wonderfully deliciously diddly. It was ridiculous. But it was great fun. And I realized that's one of the things I've got, which has been given to me by the generosity the, oh, the absolute, of the American actor. The worst that's ever been said was, how do you like working with Morgan? He's, uh, he's very challenging. <laughs> 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 I love that. I really do like that. Because it's not malicious. It's not nasty. Because I'm not. It's seven of us sitting, waiting to do, to go in to read for the Nazi, the aged Nazi in a wheelchair that Sean Penn chases across the Arctic desert wastes or whatever it is. And he's a 90-year-old Nazi, and he'd killed Sean Penn's father. That's the movie. I'm sitting there now. When I go into that room, and there's usually six or seven guys, we all know each other, and we're all saying pretty much the same thing. Whose turn is it? (laughs) Okay. We go in there. The oldest guy at the end has got a Zimmer frame. He puts, he leaves his Zimmer frame in the care of the second oldest guy. <laughs> and I'm standing at number, num, position of number seven, because I've been that last one in. And the, the old guy then goes in, does his piece, comes out, picks up the Zimmer frame. And as he slowly walks past us on the way out, he just says, The oldest one closer to death gets the gig. <laughs> only an American only an old American actor a veteran that's why I love it you talked about your son and I'm always curious how it's been 
him playing younger versions of you or you playing older versions oh, God, of him? No, 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 no. Don't say that. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He does not do versions of me. He's got his own. I don't mean that rudely to you. Um, he um, acts in a, a, a different way from myself. I'm generationally old-fashioned still, in a way. He is very, very much a star player who happens to be, at the present moment, not playing a lead. That's what Mark does. He's smart. He plays his character. He plays a star. He really does. And he, because he has a brilliant sense of humor, he really does have it. And he un, he's a good director. He's a good director. And I've been directed by him twice. He has that humor which colors any nastiness, any trickery, any things that his characters have to do. They usually are characters that are on the edge of neuroses or the brilliance. He's, he's going to be, he can play genius. He can play genius really quite well. Battlestar Galactica, his invention in that, the glasses, the cane, they're his. They're not in the script. With me, we were, we've done that four times the same, four times we've done roles, the same role, both of us playing the same guy four times. We enjoy doing it. The last one was Doctor Who, where I played the older version of him. I only had five lines. And it's true. <laughs> this is true. He, uh, well, he was, they were fitting him out and the makeup and they were saying, um, you're going to, you're playing the FBI guy. And, um, no, when you yeah, so you've got to age to about 18 or 19, or not. And I go, no, prosthetic. He went, no, 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 once you have a dad. And they went, oh, oh would he, d- true. I'm not making this up. You're all blowing my own trumpet. He, he said, yeah, he'll do it. If I ask him to, <laughs> he owes me. <laughs> and, and which is true. And, uh, NCIS, so I can explain that very quickly. Anyway, no, so we go back to Doctor Who. And they said, can we get him? He said, I don't know, find out. So they ring my American agent and uh, they said, they can't do it. Global one. BBC don't pay the same procedurals that SAG does. So we can't allow our actors to work for less. Ah, oh, sorry, we're sorry, okay. And then Mark rings rings me. They said, isn't there something you can do? Isn't there something you can do? Do you know anybody? So I start ringing around. In the end, I get through on SAG and... I go up the ladder each time, each phone call, I go up the ladder. And, um, no, we can't, we'd have to, no, it'll have to be, no, no, we can't, it's global, global one. And then finally, all right, what we're going to do is we're gonna, you're going to talk to a member of the committee. It's about dispensation, all right? Okay, but uh, I wouldn't hold out any, any hopes because you're breaking, it'll be establishing a precedent. Well, you know, I've been 20, 27 years and, you know, I'm getting old and, you know, <laughs> never mind, okay. Anyway, three o'clock Wednesday. That's for you to talk. He will talk to you. Okay. I'll wait. I'll go in, sit down, and there's an easy phone. It says a phone. And, uh, okay, I'll see. He wants to phone you. He's got to go out. Oh, okay. So I go out, and the phone call comes from somebody else. They say, um, he'll ring you tomorrow. Oh, okay. Okay, so things happen. So, and I'm good. I'm, Really, um, that's what age has taught me. Okay, fine. You know, cool. Go anyway. Ring. He rings. Ring at home. And I went. 
Hey, look, um, I've, uh, it's a small role. I mean, it's only, you know, five, five or six lines. And, you know, it's, I'm getting on a bit now, you know, my son doing a part, you know, we're doing, we're doing, and the voice down the other end. Oh, Morgan, for Christ's sake. I saw you in Mad Men three months ago. <laughs> and NCIS, I'll tell you about Mark. Jimmy Whitmore said, would, would he come and do the young you? Well, I'm playing a Russian uh, uh, torture expert, interro- sorry, interrogation expert. And um, they Russian, and we decided to make him Czech, which is good. I like doing Czech, rather, because it's slightly different. Anyway, so um, Mark turns up. We play him one-eyed. He's got a young, very good kid playing the Mujahideen that he's torturing, that I'm torturing. 30 years before. And so Mark then starts. Jimmy says, do what you like, Mark. You know what the situation is. Uh, we, we haven't written anything for it. You know what you're doing. And uh, Mark says, okay. And then starts screaming at the kid. I mean, really. And it's vicious. And he's saying, well, you know, you're the tanks, you see the tanks. No, 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 no. That pulled belly, really, way over the top. Da, 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 da. Walks around, walks around. Come on. And Jimmy goes, oh, you. Wow. Uh, you know, I'm trying to, you know, wow. Uh, let's shoot, though. Let's shoot. Let's shoot. And Jimmy looks at me and goes, Wee, where did that come from? Action. Mark walks over. Now, you saw the Russian tanks. You know where they are. How many were there? Come on, tell me. Just talk to me. And the kid is waiting to be shouted at. It's not the lines. And I'm sitting there going, where the hell did that come from? Because it was, it was a brilliant action. Nothing to do with the dialogue. Mark said, okay, I mean, you can cut the dialogue if you like. I mean, just have a, you know. And Drew went, no, 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 no. It's, he was scared stiff that you were going to shout at him. Mark said, yeah, yeah. He winked. Just looked at me and winked. That's what Mark does. Every time he does say he does, it's... It's more intellectual, actually, probably than it's analytical than intellectual. It's uh, always got that rock, hardcore, uh, you know, yeah, that base. That uh, oh, I'm just fooling. I'm just, I'm just fooling around. Just fooling around. Who else? So you know, for supernatural, he, they've got him talking to a hamster. <laughs> I mean. He's the only, you know, as as the boys said, the, the boys, he's the only, he's the only bugger who can get away with it. He actually does a scene talking to a hamster. As Crowley, the, you know, the gatekeeper to hell, who's got the door to the heaven, to hell, you know. It's that, you know. Oh, no, we don't, we're not at all. We don't. He said, yes. No, he says it very nicely, too. He said, no, I'm a different kind of actor from my dad. My dad's a character actor. He's a, He's a, he was a shapeshifter, and now he's a mind shifter. Me, I tend to play a bit more me. A bit more me. I'm the most important. He's got into that thing that Mike Kane and I were talking about for three days. Because Mike said to me eventually after, I, because I was on the movie visit on the movie for two weeks as it happened, so we got to, time to talk, which was nice. And then uh, eventually became great. Because um, Kane, Mike Kane, suddenly said, 
said, oh, I still have trouble disappearing into roles. I said, really? So I've only ever done it about four times. I went, that rubbish, if you don't mind me saying so. What? I said, rubbish. I can name I can name you. And I reeled off nine of his movies. I said, the man who went for King. I said, uh, I had on the sisters. I said, uh, uh, the oppressed file, and, uh, and I said, uh, oh, I said, that, that one you did with Julie Waters. I said, uh, uh, Educating Rita, where, oh, that two shot over the shoulder, then up comes the two shot, and uh, I, 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 I cried. It made me cry. You? Oh, yes, me. Of course, you did it. You're that, you, I believed you. I bought it. You're in love with her. I know what love is. No one should tell me. Yeah, whatever. And he looked at me and he just grinned. He said, what about you? I said, oh, I've done it about eight or nine times. He went, oh, gee. I went, oh, no. I'm not carrying a movie. I'm not Mr. Michael Caine. I'm Morgan Shepherd. I walk in, steal the fucking scene, and walk out again. <laughs> God bless him. He just looked at me and went, like you're doing now? I said, like I'm doing now. <laughs> not true, but I liked him. He's just funny. I'm sorry. I talk non-bloody stuff. Oh, this has been such a pleasure. I cannot tell you how how great this has been for me. You'll be able to cut around the dirty bits. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank oh. you. Right, Thank Mike. you so much for your time. I really appreciate this. Well, you're very welcome, Michael. Very welcome, sir. Enjoy this show and want more people to know about it, head on over to iTunes, leave a comment, and rate it five stars. Make sure you like and share us on Facebook, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Just search for Christopher Media. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Most importantly, we would like to take the time to extend an extra special thanks to you. Christopher Media could not exist without your support. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net, and thank you for listening. Christopher Media. Let's make some noise.